0: so on today's episode we are bringing in maggie wall she is 33 years old born in south korea but grew up in the states she's currently living at home which is western massachusetts but she does say nyc feels most like home to her she's had lyme disease and co-infections since age nine she is the head of community at manji a personal mind coaching app She works to build global awareness for how we can overcome limiting beliefs and biases to evolve our mindset and expand our self-worth. So, Maggie, we are super excited to have you here today. Go ahead and say hi to everyone. (laughs) Hi.
1: Thank you so much, Justin Haley. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for sharing your platform with me to talk about stuff that I love. And uh, I'm super, super into this.
0: I will say you're definitely one of my top choices as a guest for the podcast, (laughs) just in like the mere fact that you're so easy to talk to and you bring this like lighthearted feeling to every conversation, whereas like you can get really deep, but you still keep it like fun. You know what I mean? And like you laugh a lot. And I love that because I laugh a lot. So (laughs)
2: we can definitely feel the energy. I love it.
1: Oh, man. I love it, too. Something about you just just makes me like open up and makes me laugh. So I don't think I'm like on par that funny, but I feel funnier when I talk to you. So it's <laughs>
2: It's a compliment to you too <laughs> we're both silently
1: laughing right now <laughs> i know you're muting yourself i'm gonna mute myself and laugh
0: <laughs> no I, just um, think it's so, I think it's funny because i always say that you're funny and you always say that i'm funny but neither of us feels like we're funny so it's just like i'm oh. glad i'm humoring you and i'm glad that you're humoring me
1: you know what we're gonna let the world decide That's yep we will yeah.
0: But right. go ahead and give a uh, quick bio about yourself and who you are, anything that you feel is important to share with people before we dive in.
1: Oh, Lord. Well, I'm at underscore Maggie Wall underscore. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm 33. You told them everything. Um, no, I think the most exciting thing in my life right now is that I'm working with this company, Manjeet, um, and it's it's really helped my physical, mental, emotional healing indirect relationship to Lyme. And, and that's why I'm here is I've had Lyme, got a tick bite when I was nine, um, had co-infections and all its friends, you know, for most of my life. But really the past six, seven years has been, has been the fight to get better. Um, and, you know, the punchline is I've done so much as we all have to seek externally, right? Because you have to. Western medicine, Eastern modalities, palliative treatment. You know, self care, detoxing, but so much of that seeking externally, um, financially, my resources came to it, <laughs> came to a halt and, um, and emotionally and spiritually as well. Um, so, you know, enter mind work. It just happened to be something that I started working with my best friend and got to experience. And I'm getting to experience this personal mind coaching to overcome these biases about my, Emotional state, but also for me, my physical state and improving my physical state so I'm not suffering so hard every day. Um, so that and I'm living at home and I adopted a cat a couple months ago, and uh, Aww. those are my two passions right, <laughs> right
0: now. I love it. Um, so I know that you were diagnosed like pretty early in life with Lyme and Co infections, but like I want to kind of start with talking about what was life like before. You obviously went into the mess of a world that Lyme disease is.
2: Oh. Um. Well, I'm actually kind of curious because you, – so you said you got bitten by a tick when you were nine. Did you know immediately that you had contracted Lyme disease?
1: No. So I um, – so, okay. So I got <laughs> – this is how all Lyme – patients start they're like there's so many millions of things in my head but let me roll Mm -hmm. let me roll back I got a tick bite when I was nine behind my head and most of this is paraphrased through my understanding from like my mom um like most of my childhood because I forget things because of Lyme (laughs) um so I got this tick bite when I was nine behind my ear behind my right ear and I do remember that it was fully embedded for over 24 hours um and you know they kept bringing me back to the doctor and to dig it out really. And the first they sort of like spider strapped held me cause they thought I'd freak out. And.
2: Oh my God. You know, I,
1: I remember it. I remember that. I remember being like under a dim, under one dim light bulb in my mind, like with all these, <laughs> <laughs> all these people hovering over me trying to get this tick out. And it was moving at first, which is, I know, so disturbing to hear for people with Lyme, but anyway, um, you know, punchline is uh, my mom begged for doxycycline, couldn't find a pediatrician pediatrician to give it to us. Um, so I never got treated with antibiotics, didn't know I had Lyme. <clears throat> um, the spot behind my ear was clearly, uh, clearly infected. Um, it didn't spread. I didn't get a rash. Two weeks later, I woke up and I just couldn't get out of bed. Um, so of course, something was wrong. So I, I never knew I had Lyme until I was 21. But at age nine, my mom knew two weeks later, you know, I had I had one kid, you know, who I adopted. This is what I signed up for. All of a sudden, I have (laughs) (laughs) all of a sudden I have a different kid who can't get out of bed. Um, Mm. So, you know, probably the physical stuff I'd, you know, change the most. I guess what I noticed is like um, I was a big reader, suddenly didn't process the same. It wasn't degenerative. But, um, you know, I became a visual learner and I couldn't pay attention, hold focus on books anymore. Um, I had, was a killer at, I'm like killer. I was an okay athlete and I, you know, played tennis a lot. And I noticed like, as you, there's so much like juking in tennis and like my knees just couldn't handle it anymore. And I remember being like, I was so good at this. I was like the best, like, why can't I do this? Um, so it was mostly just that and, like, muscle pain and fatigue every day. My grades plummeted. I got allergies. I got chronic sinus infections. I was then on antibiotics, you know, four to six times per year until into my 20s, um, which ultimately probably kept some of the Lyme at bay. Um, I forget what the question was now.
0: <laughs> so so my question is because um, you got bit at nine. You said you didn't find out diagnosis in tw- 21. Was that yep. correct? Yes. So but you were still like attempting treating whatever was happening to you, right? Like before yes. you actually got the diagnosis?
1: Uh yes. So I actually went to um a pediatric rheumatologist um and his his personal doctoral or diagnostic theory was that Lyme is over over diagnosed in children. This I'm this was in I'm really bad at math. I don't know how old I was when I was 9 or 10 but but I'm 33 now. So
2: um <laughs> someone please do the math.
0: So this it won't be me. Haley that's person. on you.
2: <laughs> I'm so struggling. This, I think 24 years. What is that? Yeah. I think, I think 24 years.
1: Well, so I was still 9 or 10, you know, it was like I mean, 2 weeks later my mom saw something was wrong and we started seeking doctors. You know, I went to my pediatrician, went to infectious disease, finally went to a pediatric rheumatologist. <clears throat> um and, uh, sorry, I'm trying not to, like, pathologize this, but um, he diagnosed me with fibromyalgia, which, as we all know now, is more a collection of symptoms rather than, like, an onset of disease. Uh, mm. or, or, per my opinion, I'll say the disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nutritionist. <laughs> Please don't take anything I say to be of, of real medical value. Um, <laughs> I also used to do HR. Anyway. Um <laughs> He, you know, banged on all my knees and lymph nodes and joints. And I was like, you know, my my biggest quest, my biggest memory as a nine-year-old was, am I, is this self-inflicted? And that's something I carried with me till like last year. Because I kept thinking like, do I want to miss school? Do I want to be sick? And then I'm like, everything hurts everywhere. So like, maybe nothing hurts. And he, you know, banged on all my reflexes and, and was like, she has fibromyalgia. So it led to... You know, special accommodations at school. Um, I had a, a teacher actually in fifth grade who, she was an older woman post-menopausal and she had an onset of fibromyalgia symptoms. Now, maybe she had something underlying viral, I don't know. But at this time when I was sort of diagnosed with having, with fibromyalgia, she had been diagnosed, this, you know, 65 year old woman, and she Gave me special care and attention in school, and really made me feel like we had a commonality and that I wasn't alone.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Yeah, and she had been a healthy functioning person whose body didn't hurt um, first, obviously, so long, and then she had a trauma happen. I don't know what it was—something, an accident—and then she had this onset of symptoms. So, um,
2: wow.
1: Yeah, that was the first person I remember who, you know, I would be at the water fountain and my legs would sort of give out. And I would fall and be embarrassed, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not like my mom was like, oh, that's because of your lime," Which in hindsight, I'm really thankful for. You know, my parents never treated me like I was different. Never, I never knew anything was wrong. I was like, well, I just fall down sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Um, when you got – told that it was possibly fibromyalgia what did they suggest you do to help alleviate anything
1: really um you know really like not so much i started taking elevil i forget the real name for that but it was something to help me not fall asleep but stay asleep because my biggest uh issue slash now we know it's a symptom was muscle twitching so much sharp Mm -hmm. pain and muscle twitching um And I would just twitch all night and like, and it wasn't just my legs. It wasn't like a restless leg. It was like arms, neck, shoulder. Um, What was I saying? (laughs) Yeah. So I was twitching, wake up. So they gave me something to help me stay asleep. And beyond that, my mom would roll like Campbell's tomato soup cans on me in the morning, every morning forever. Um, And she would just, she'd be like, well, now we take the extra time to do this and like, After cheerleading practice, I would come home crying and she would help me do bodywork stuff. So she really took care of me um, in in every way, (laughs) but 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 especially, you know, figuring out things that would just help me physically have an easier time, you know, getting special seats for cars, stuff like that. Um, Yeah.
0: Your mom sounds absolutely amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. Let me just give the biggest shout out at puff wall if you want P-U-F-F. <laughs> Listen. p-u-f-f-w-a-l-l um i'm following <laughs> <laughs> she is my biggest supporter um a- a- as is my dad you know both of them i feel obviously incredibly grateful and lucky and all the words um but she, you know as we all have like she's helped educate herself you know about supporting someone with chronic illness um she also just happens to be a fantastic sort of manager and um people person and i don't know anyway i won't i I could go on and on
0: (laughs) to be quite honest i have like Always wondered what I can use around my house for muscle pain, and I never once thought about a can of soup. And now I'm mad at myself for never, <laughs> never having thought to roll a can of soup on my body. I'm like, I might try this tonight now.
1: So we can <laughs> we can add this to this, this next thing later. But seriously, I mean- I'm like, I have so many cans of soup. What the Literally. hell? Best, it's like a like before the foam roller, there was Campbell's. (laughs) Seriously, exactly. Chicken, tomato, vegetable, not my favorite, but (laughs) tomato seemed to help my muscles the most.
0: (laughs) Um, Oh my God, I love it. Okay, um, so I want to talk a little bit about around the time that you got diagnosed and yeah. how like how that all happened cuz obviously yeah. you were searching for answers for many many years but like who was it that actually you don't have to say like their actual name but what kind of doctor yeah, yeah. was it that diagnosed you
1: Um so I love this is like a dope story Actually this is like so not a do- <laughs> not a dope story <laughs> but it's a story that I like to tell Um I um I'm like how do I shorten this story now Okay sorry this is one of my favorite stories, although it's a tough one. When I moved to New York City, um, I my excuse to move to New York was to go back to college, started the NYU application, couldn't get through my last name. so I was like, oh, let me apply to the new school. They were like, write a story about I was like, boom, story, love it, got in. First day of class at the new school. I'm in New York. I'm like, I'm on a college campus thinking I'm gonna make all these friends. None of these kids want to be my friend. So this wonderful girl, on our lecture break, was like, "Do you want to get coffee with me?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, yes!" <laughs> so we ended up becoming friends, and she had neurological Lyme disease.
0: Wow. Um,
1: yeah. So we were in a class together. She turned to me, and I'm paraphrasing or whatnot. She said, "You know, um, I'm going to have a neurological breakdown or slow down. I forget her words. Can you help me?" And I was like. Sure. My, my biggest worry was like, I'm going to miss class. She's like, the professor knows, you know, in a two minutes, I'm going to be having, you know, major mental struggles and challenges, you know, can you just get me home or whatnot? So this was the first time that I saw a person suffering from something I knew nothing about, have sort of, I don't know what the right term is, I apologize, but a neurological slowdown. Um, and she sort of just melted in my arms o- outside Um So I got her home, and she directed me to hook her vitamins up to a port. Um, And within two hours, you know, her mom came, and and she came back to life, and with full memory and and cognizance of what happened. um, And I was very aware that she was aware emotionally, um, if not able to communicate, she was aware of what was happening. So it was a very interesting experience. Eight months, six months, eight months into our friendship. Um, she was like, I think you have what I have. And I was like, Oh God, my one friend is like, I don't know. I'm like, this seems wild to me, but I got to bypass a lot of the both Cause she sent me to her doctor who was an LLMD in New York city did Stony Brook. I think I did Igenix. Um, and this was years, years ago. So it was before Igenix was really, you know, uh, so commonplace got diagnosed with past exposure to Lyme and my LLMD was like, basically, that means you have Lyme now. And let's look at what your active symptoms are. And that was it. So I have my friend to thank. Um,
2: that wow. story
1: gives me chills. That's, that's absolutely <laughs> incredible. And that's- she has, you know, I wouldn't say fully, but but I, I've watched her over the years recover from Lyme and um, and really do a lot to to help other people. But I'm just lucky that I met her and that I met my first doctor, who was my only Lyme doctor, really, um, until recently.
2: Can I ask where you lived before you moved to New York City? Oh yes, I
1: got bit in Connecticut. Okay,
2: okay. Um, I just I know that like the East Coast, a lot of people have Lyme over there, so I was kind of curious if being in New York maybe was like the right place to be to get that diagnosis or whatnot. But. Um,
1: you know, I would say at the time it was it. It was certainly helpful, but there's, you know, there's so many places out, there's so many different doctors, like the OG Lyme doctors, um, like some in, like some out West, some in DC, some in New York. Um, I think that, to be honest, I feel like it was sheer luck that I sat next to this woman in class and and met her. Otherwise, and she was like, you take naps during the day. You can't go up and down the subway stairs. Like, you're like an 80 year old person, like...
0: (laughs) And I'm like, just, it's amazing yeah. to me that you say that that was luck, because in my mind, I see it as like fate.
1: Yes. Same. Oh, like okay. <laughs> you know, with everything I know about, you know, sort of manifesting now, I look back and I had done a lot of work that year prior to meeting her about looking like taking stock of like what kind of people were in my life. And I don't think I would have been as open to a friendship like hers she was so super friendly and it was um I something I just really needed at the time but previously might have like shunned and I'm just yeah I don't know where I'm going with this but ultimately I I agree with you it was sort of just meant to be
0: I honestly did just get like a little teary-eyed when you were talking about her like breaking down in your arms outside of like class um and because like obviously I you know Me personally going through Lyme, I talk to people all the time and hear all the time about like their breakdowns and their hard days. But you don't really ever hear anything that's like super, super specific to exactly what you've had happen to you because everybody's, you know, symptoms and things are always like slightly different. Mm, But when you just mentioned like her having that breakdown and then you helped her like hook up to an IV and then she like came back to life, I literally had that happen to me like a few weeks ago. When I was at work, well, I drove myself into work because I was neurologically dysfunctioning and I was just going downhill super fast. Drove myself into work because that's where, you know, my doctor is. He's my coworker. And I literally was like, I need an IV. Like, I don't know what else I can do right now to stop this progression. And he hooked me up to an IV. And, you know, it took obviously a little bit for me to come out of it. But that's just wild because I haven't heard of like a specific incident like that, that feels so much like what I went through. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, and it's, it was really like this, um, and I'm not, you know, trying to be like, Oh, I was her savior. This is something that she, you know, dealt with so gracefully. I I watched, she was my, the first person I knew with Lyme before I knew I had Lyme. And You know, I used to wonder why sometimes she couldn't hang out. And looking back, I even have like probably some misplaced guilt about not understanding. And I'm like, now I understand, you know, like uh, all the stuff where I was like, I wonder if she doesn't want to commit or want to be my friend and my own insecurities. And really, she was just like having a good day or a bad day. But she did such an exquisite job communicating that. Um, So I often I'm not as close with her now, but I often think back about, you know, everything she went through and the lessons I can learn for how she handled herself. And in that one specific instance, like how you just described, um, you know, I I vividly remember thinking this person needs to go to the hospital. This person has melted in my arms and has to go to the hospital. And really, that's not what, you know, that's such a misconception around Lyme. There's, There's nothing... There's, like, you need vitamins, you need an IV, and you need to stabilize your system so that you neurologically, you know, turn the lights back on again, for lack of better mm-hmm. term. Um, and it's such a hard thing to describe or understand. Anyway,
2: well, glad Jessica, we talked about that, though. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. Haven't you checked yourself into the ER before?
0: I did, but not for a neurological thing. It was for rib pain. Okay. Yeah, but and- they still couldn't – They did tests in me and obviously didn't find anything. They're like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Maybe you should call your doctor and sent me home. With a (laughs) bill. With a yeah, three thousand dollar bill. That was cool. Oh
1: my God. Yeah. Yay. It's like the worst (laughs) ticket ever. And there's you know, there's there's time and place for like ER I'm not against ER by any means, you know, whether it be spinal taps, with, you know, sometimes you just need to go to the ER as a, with any chronic illness. Um, well, I think
0: it's important to remember that like, yeah, the ER is extremely helpful and I'm glad that we have them in this world, but they are for life-saving. They are not for people with chronic illness. They do yeah. not help people with chronic illness. I've never yeah. heard of one person with chronic illness going to the ER and being helped.
1: Yeah, not um, not in the sense of... Treatment or a doctor
0: leading you, or or even in acute exactly. situations.
1: Now, obviously, if it's something with a heart or something, you know, that's yeah,
0: a, a life-saving uh, type situation, then yeah. yeah, that's what they're there for. But
1: totally, totally.
0: Which is crazy because sometimes we feel like that's what we need is <laughs> yeah, a life-saving. Like- absolutely,
1: like absolutely. Mm. absolutely. Mm.
0: Um. So I know that you mentioned to me a little bit about like going through parasites, dealing with gut type issues. Um, Bartonella is another thing that you deal with that I definitely can relate to you with. I am specifically a little bit curious about your story going through like gut health issues, um, which I'm sure parasites kind of come along with that. I've been lucky and not really had to deal with the parasite side of this illness, but I know a lot of people who do and I'm just curious like – when totally. you figured out that you had parasites living inside of you.
1: <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I've obviously had Lyme and it's friends for a long time. Um, right now, I think my main issues are like the Lyme and like Persisters and then Bartonella probably past tick-borne relapsing, anaplasmosis or whatnot, and Babesia, EBV comes up. Um, but I think right now with the Lyme and the BART, My, where like my sort of protocol is at is I'm kind of, I I had, my thinking was to pause before really going hard at BART and Lyme because of parasites. You know, it made sense in, in the same vein that you test for mold on a protocol and rule these things out that I would test for parasites. So I used a lab called parasitology and I've been through, so that was sort of my first diagnosis or whatnot. Um. And it, it, it's all with one doctor, and I've gone through three or four rounds of antiparasitics. And antiparasitics can be antiparasitics can be incredibly strong medicines. Everyone has a different reaction, and in my personal opinion, depending on how I don't know what the right term is, like how toxic your body is or, or what other things you have going on. Um, these medicines might hit you harder. Like if you have heavy metals going on, antiparasitics might hit you harder. You might herx harder is my point. Mm -hmm. Um, I had done so much, uh, cleansing and fasting, which we can talk about later, you know, and, and cellular stuff for cellular health, like than anybody could do that. You know, the antiparasitics I had a fairly easy time with, and they still really knocked me out. each antiparasitic I would do was for a different parasite. I was first like, my I don't know if diagnosed is the right word, but like I had a nematode. Um, I had a, God, a larval nematode. Super, super cute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way to dress that up. Um, so after the larval nematode, I had, um, I had cryptosporidium, which is like sort of You talk about cryptosporidium when you talk about like giardia, like traveler's diarrhea, like it's not Uh super uncommon. Um, But because I trend toward constipation, fortunately or unfortunately, I had no symptoms of parasites this whole time. So I didn't have anything. I didn't have like, (laughs) this is gross. I didn't have like runny stools or anything. Um, So I take antiparasitic, it would clear the parasite and then I'd collect a new parasite because my immune system is just compromised. So after Mm -hmm. four rounds of antiparasitics, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm happy that the tests from the same lab are coming back clear, but I think that it seems like I could go down this road forever. Um, Mm -hmm. so I wish I had like a good advice for people on that. Um, the other sort of side of it that I'll offer is that, um, you know, some, some of my LLMDs have, you know, confirmed conflicting opinions or whatever and that the best way or only way to get a positive parasite analysis is the old school days when you'd go in and you'd go to the bathroom there or like i don't know run from your apartment carrying your hot stool and be like <laughs> test, this. test this right now um not to be funny or gross but <laughs> so you know is it is it a black hole i don't know um It's something that I think helped some of my symptoms minorly, but my bloating and distension, I guess I should have said that up front. My major issues are bloating and distension um, and like gut dysbiosis. um, And like can't have to eat, have very limited safe foods. Things just don't digest. It's sometimes like how they describe Bell's palsy of the gut. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, don't have the keys to the car. (laughs) just um so yeah so the parasites right now is something I've I've done this sort of protocol um and the only other thing I did for that was rectal ozone insufflations um
0: oh yeah we're talking about that
1: yeah that sounds actually horrifying (laughs) (laughs) actually I have to say for all the things recreational or other medical or otherwise that I have chosen to do for health and put up My butt. (laughs) Rectal ozone is the most benign, pleasant, like lovely experience, I have to say. What does it feel
0: like? Tell me what it feels like when you have the air going into your butt.
2: Um, Is it like coffee enema like style?
1: Like, is that how this is done? What I used was there's this company, I think company or brand called Longevity, and it's a machine. And basically, this machine makes. O3 makes ozone. And that is what it's, it looks like air. Um, and you can, the machine emits the ozone into like a collection bag, or you can put it in a large syringe and then you have a syringe of, of the ozone. Um, so what, so there are different types of machines, right? Like there's a big ozone machine. That's like the size of like a monitor. And then there's this, actually this little one now that it looks like a train, like a toy train car and you can buy it for home use. Um, and basically what I did was the, you turn the machine on and again, I, I don't know, you turn the machine on, it makes the ozone, um, and it fill, it automatically fills up this collection bag with ozonated air. Um, And you close it off, you clamp it when it's done, right? So basically on the collection bag, there's a little tube connected to like, I don't know if catheter is the right word, but it's a little tube and there's like a little, you know, soft thing at the end that is what you insert in your rectum. And basically what happens is you lay down on your side and you insert, you lubricate with some sort of olive oil or whatever, the end of it, and you insert it up you and you slowly, slowly, slowly roll the end of the bag and squeeze it until the air or the ozone goes in you. It really feels like absolutely nothing. Um, You're not stimulated like for in in the same way as a water or oil or coffee enema because you're not filling your lower colon with like liquid. Yeah. Yeah. so you go very slowly because you might have to have a bowel movement immediately. So the best time to do ozone is after like after you've already had a bowel movement, so you're more empty. Um, but basically, you gently roll the end of this bag and you squeeze in the air over about one to two minutes. Um, and then you take it out. And then literally, that's it. And my best experience with that was I... Went to the bathroom after, and I didn't release any stool, but I passed mucus. This is disgusting. I passed mucus in what probably was parasite. It was long, white string, like long, white, thick strings. Um, And unless I ate some strings, (laughs) 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 Uh, like uh, strings strings you tie up like newspaper with or something like that, it was long, white string. I think it was parasites and... um, The ozone really released all that, and I was not eating a crazy clean diet, so all this mucus released, you know, the ozone just like, it's like it fell off my colon walls, which is, Mm -hmm. so that's, I feel like, such a terrible description of what this all is.
2: We did a whole episode on coffee enemas, and- I feel like this sounds like very similar as far as the process of it. It I feel like it does too. I
0: feel like having – I feel like being a person who's done a coffee enema, like what you just explained, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do that like easily. Honestly,
1: all you would have to do is – plus there's no liquid involved. You have the bag. You you know, having the – ozone machines are usually only at the doctor because they're expensive. But, you, Mm -hmm. you know, your doctor turns it on, fills up the bag. Carry, you know, clamps the bag, carries it into a room where you're laying down. You insert it slowly and slowly squeeze the air into you, and you kind of feel the air going into you. It's like it's like backwards farting. It's <laughs> it, it, your mind is like, well, this shouldn't be happening, but it's
2: that is the best description.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh god, um. but like. You just lay there and it doesn't feel like liquid. So it doesn't feel like much. And then after uh, slowly over one or two minutes, um, it goes in you and then it's done. Um, so that was like, yeah, that's my. Is not like a,
2: that. a one-time thing that you do or is, has that been like a part of your treatment?
1: So, you know, I haven't done it in a long time, which is probably why I'm having a hard time remembering it. But I did it for uh, probably a month, a couple times a week. Um, And then I did it like the next year for a month or two. Um, And, you know, just like anything, my personal opinion of ozone, whether it's IV, one pass, 10 pass, rectal, I also did nasal, which is, we can talk about that, um, is that, you know, it's whether it's immune modulating or immune boosting, it's something that's like not a cumulative treatment. It's not a cure. It's not, um, I don't know. For me, it wasn't like going to kill my Lyme or kill the BART, but it was going to give me a runway to improve the function, like the, the, my organ function in my body and get things like, Reduce my chronic inflammation and oxidative stress and things like that. Um, For a body that's so stressed all the time, I feel like ozone helps relieve some of that stress so you can allow yourself to get better.
0: Um, Yeah, I appreciate you sharing all that about ozone with us. Um, Like I said, I'm not very familiar with it, so I'm very interested in it. And to be honest, I don't, you know who um, Dave Asprey is? Of course I do. So that's like his <laughs> number one treatment recommendation is rectal ozone. He talks about it all the freaking time. I did not night.
1: know that. How did I yeah. not know that?
0: I don't know. It's always on every podcast episode Ugh. I've ever heard him in. Um, specifically, the one I listened to just recently was him on the Balanced Blondes podcast. Oh, um, And he yes. was talking all about the rectal ozone. And I was like, what? Like I've heard of ozone, but I didn't know you could put it in your butt. I mean, like I feel – I feel like I'm such a changed person. I used to not want anything up my butt. And now I just want everything up my butt, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's like illness does to you.
1: <laughs> I also, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I should, I'm like, let me keep this PG-13. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Make it rated R. I wanted
1: to, I wanted to clarify to you. I'm reading from a website, but this says, ozone is oxygen. Uh, but it's different to the oxygen molecules that you breathe. Its unique structure as O3 makes it a potent signaling molecule in your body, a valuable biohacking tool. Enter Dave Asprey. Enter yes. ozone. Yes.
0: Biohacking. His favorite um, phrase.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. And and to me, you know, uh, maybe he would, you know, argue this. I, I don't really know. But biohack any biohacking I've done also is to – not to cure. It's, mm-hmm. or, you know, not to heal necessarily. It aids in the healing process. And yeah. I feel, I feel
0: like that's what he says too.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ozone has definitely helped my healing process. You know, when I, this is per another timeline, but you know, I came home last year and I was a mess and I did a month or two of ozone IVs and it brought me back to life. So I got some runaway for my future. Um, evidently, you know, you crash again, but ozone really, really has helped me uh, get better every year. And I know a year seems like a long time, but that's why things like ozone are worth it for me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's on my list of like potential things to try. Um, Obviously, I'm not scared to try anything these days. So I'm like, this is so interesting to me. It's
1: so easy. I like literally, uh, I'm like, I could do it for you in five minutes. (laughs) I
0: I would let you. I would let Um, you do it for me.
1: And it's something that, you know, my, I thank you. I duly noted and, and vice versa. Same. You want to ever do rectal ozone to me? Come on over.
2: You guys are going to be doing butt stuff together.
1: <laughs> the only way to do butt stuff, not alone. Bring a friend. Um,
0: oh, I, okay. Okay. um I, is Go ahead.
1: Sorry. Can I quickly yammer on about ozone and that I had a root canal cavitation. I did nasal yes. ozone and I, have absolutely no data to pinpoint this, but I really, really attribute my fast healing of my sinus and nasal cavity to nasal ozone. Uh, I did it repeatedly once my wounds were healed um, after having a root canal cavitation. So (laughs) ask your local LLMD about nasal insufflations.
0: No, that's super important because a lot of people with Lyme deal with the cavitations too. So that's super helpful.
1: And and most of the dentists or holistic or biological dentists who are dealing with root canal cavitations, you know, they do ozone for like, instead of, um, you know, they do ozone, what's it called injections in your mouth for cavity fillings and pain relief. So I'm sure they'd be familiar. And I did nasal ozone at my doctor. I didn't even actually tell my dentist till after. And he was like, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. God, nasal I, a new
0: dentist.
1: <laughs> I have tons of recommendations I can give you.
0: I went into a dentist like a year and a half ago and I asked him if he knew anything about like cavitations and I told him, you know, like I have deal with tick-borne illness and it's just something I've heard that's you know, can be a problem if you have it. He literally looked at me like what the fuck are you talking about? I want nothing to do with this. And then it just never went anywhere. And I was just, and then I learned that I need to find like one of those biological dentists or whatever. And I was, I looked one up in my area and I was like, yeah, mm, not going to be going there anytime soon with the damn price. So
1: that's the thing is it's a search. And, and you know, some of the stuff I wait, wait to do for years until I'm like, I like, like when I was came home, I don't know when this was, like, but I, when I was in Ma in Massachusetts where I am now, it was easier for me to get to the dentist in Connecticut. And, you know, I had two dental, I'm sorry, I had one dental like gum surgery from my regular dentist. Cause they were like, you need surgery, you have infection. And it obviously wasn't the kind of infection it was, it had nothing to do with the cavitation. So they cut all this gum away and I had this horrible, unpleasant experience, um, Doing this mouth surgery, and you know, of course, the infection persisted because they weren't getting to the root of the cause. Um, And you know, I think it's just education. You know, they—I don't blame them. They just didn't Mm -hmm. know what was really happening. Um, And then when I, you know, I will say the word cavitation and stuff sounds so scary, but that the process of the surgery and the the doctors who know what they're doing with these cavitations and the non toxic implants, I it was the most I wouldn't say it's painless, but it was the most seamless process, very streamlined. You know, they spent all the time in the world talking to me. Um, and it was just such a different different experience. And I had such a – it was a more serious procedure, and I had so much more ease with it. And you get the infection out of your face, and, like, my whole head felt better. my My eyeballs felt better, <laughs> really,
0: truly. Mm-hmm. I've heard it being pretty common if you had your wisdom teeth out to have this issue. Have you yeah. heard that?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Which is like
0: everybody. (laughs)
1: Mine was uniquely not my wisdom teeth. I'd had like 17 cavities and five root canals. So um, mine were on the top and the bottom, but it wasn't like directly related to my wisdom teeth. Um,
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. But most people, most people I hear it is.
0: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I do, I want to switch away from treatments and I want to get a little bit deep with you. Um, <laughs> <As> <laughs> okay,
2: but stuff isn't like <laughs> yeah, super <right>? deep,
0: <laughs> deep in a different kind of way. Um, so you said something to me last time we were talking that I found super interesting. The way that you said it, I was like, that's so spot on. So many people are going to be able to relate to this, and it has to do with like the emotional side of going through, um, not just Lyme disease, but chronic illness in general. And you mentioned about you know dealing with depression but not being mm. depressed and then dealing with like suicidal thoughts but not actually being willing to take your own life and like yeah. actually making the steps towards it but still experiencing those feelings because a lot of people don't know how to talk about that stuff they don't know what's actually going on they feel depressed they think life would be easier if i wasn't here anymore but they're like but I'm not suicidal because I haven't tried to be suicidal. It's just this like thing that people don't really talk about. And so I do want to kind of talk about it with you.
1: I, It's like I have way too much to say on this. Um, and I'd love to talk about the role of therapy in, in this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, to, you know, to talk about my own experience, I guess, it, that's the only true context I have. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I hear from... I hear from so many people with chronic illness, myself included, I have depressive feelings, but I'm not depressed. Um, you know, I don't know how I can do this again tomorrow, but I'm not necessarily having suicidal thoughts. This isn't suicidal ideation. And and to, cl- to clarify, you know, that that's really what I've gone through. Um, and I can only speak for myself here that, you know, the depressive feelings I've had or have are not consistent for days or weeks, and they don't really come with apathy. It's a physical and emotional exhaustion, um, and the idea of wanting that to end seems very normal and very natural to me. Um, I probably sound like a, you know, <laughs> crazy person, but um, you know, it
2: it's
1: it's a physical and emotional exhaustion, and and wanting that to end. Um, so it stems from a desire for relief, like the natural desire to be relieved from what's happening, that a human being is not supposed to be pushed to these limits every day, mental, physical, emotional. Um, we're just, we're just not. So for me, it's not a passive or active suicidal thought. Um, the real kicker is I'll wake up the next day ready to fight. And then you feel, even. Mm-hmm. I feel even more confused that my mood is up again. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. is, is this indicative of another mental condition or instability um, or emotional, you know, something going on? Um, and for me, it is indicative of something else. It's indicative of the cycle of tick-borne illness. And this is my, you know, this is my one experience. And I'll sort of like, you know, bolster this with like, uh, you know, our mental health community, part of the reason my mind goes to diagnosis or self-diagnosis is because that's a product of growing up with like Western medicine, right? Um, And and maybe it's cultural, maybe there's other experiences that tie into that, but um, I'm constantly trying to figure out why I feel the way I feel. So my biggest challenge is just sort of accepting like, you know what? I know that I've been going through these cycles for a long time. Some months are worse, some days are worse, some years are worse. But, you know, I said to you the other day, I was, my stomach has been bloated and distended for three and a half years. And like, guess what? I'm tired of it. (laughs) So I spend all my brain energy all day long, like making like what I call like putting it out of my mind saying like, all right, I'm going to, Ignore the fact that my stomach doesn't feel good. It's like having a hangover every single day. Right. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, the other day I was crying on the bathroom floor and, you know, for me, the deep despair that I, that I, you know, for me feels adjacent to wanting something, wanting life to end or feeling like I can't, I don't have any energy left to give myself is the feeling of like, you walk up to that line and you're like, you know what? I, I. I, sorry, this is like, it's not actually not hard to talk about. I don't just don't have the words. I've never spoken about this before, but like I reach a point where I feel the most upset when I realize that I'm not going to take my life and I realize I can do this again. And I just give in to then crying and like, just, I don't know what, I don't even have a word for it. Total, total breakdown. And then you peel yourself up off the floor and you go the fuck to bed and you wake up and do it again um I don't know if that answers. I don't know if that answers your question
0: what a doubt that that (laughs) answers it perfectly and I feel like I'm on the verge of crying right now because I feel like you did explain that exactly like what I needed to hear and I know so many others are going to hear that and be like holy shit that is exactly what I needed to hear and that is exactly what I feel like
1: not supposed to be pushed to these limits every single day. Like it's no. just like th- like you break your arm, it fucking heals, like you're not supposed to have a broken arm for the rest of your life. You're <laughs>
0: not supposed to break it over and over and over and <laughs> over and over and over and over. And over.
1: <laughs> you know, and it becomes mentally wearing. And then you start to or I start to go into that mode of pathologizing or self-diagnosing, like, why do I feel this way? Like, guess what? I feel this way because my stomach has been it's like having a stomach ache when people are like, "Oh, I have a stomach ache because I ate that." I've had a stomach ache for three and a half years. Like that's yeah. gotta, that's gotta fuck you up, you know? Like
0: <laughs> it's like no laughing matter, but you have to laugh about it just to not. And cry I've been about constipated
1: since I was nine, but that's another yeah. story.
0: No, but <laughs> I remember, like, I remember for me personally when I was at my like absolute worst. And I was still working full time, still going to school full time because no one knew what was wrong with me. So I was still in that headspace where I just thought I was fucking crazy and I was making it up, you know, because that's what everybody was acting like. Yep. And I just remember getting up in the morning feeling, you know, like I'd been hit by a bus, like I drank a whole bottle of vodka the night before and waking up and being like just, just another fucking day of misery. And I would drive to work and I would just be like, if only I could get myself to just drive off this bridge right now. That oh, it yeah. could be over and I just wouldn't have to deal with this. And yeah, yeah, I never, I never took the steps to actually take myself out of it. But I thought about it. I was like, this would be easier if I didn't have to fucking live like this. And yeah. not only for me, it's like, you know, you feel like you're a burden to your friends because you can't give them what you want to be able to give them and what they're looking for in a friendship. And then you feel like a burden to your family because, you know, for me, like I was borrowing money from my parents to pay for treatment because I had used all of my money and I was like, they wouldn't have to spend money on me if I wasn't here. And you just start spiraling. And yeah, and then you saying that, you know, you're crying on the bathroom floor and now you're recording a podcast episode today and it's just (laughs) like, It's like, what the fuck is happening? Like one day my life is complete fucking misery. And then all of a sudden I can pick myself back up again and keep going.
1: And there's plenty of people who, you know, for the first time this past year, I sought mental health help from, you know, went back to Western practitioners and sorry, this is another side story, but there's lots of people out there who will give you plenty of names, you know, to describe what, what this is you know, whether it's a mental health diagnosis, whether it's another disease. But for me, again, this is just a cycle of illness. And something that I say to myself a lot is my goal in the morning is to wake up neutral. Neutrality is my goal. I want to wake up and think, oh my God, I wish I could sleep more. Like not, because w- I, I wake up and I don't feel those depressive feelings because mm-hmm. I'm generally, a, I would say, a happy person. And I, you know, am lucky enough to be, you know, have a roof over my head and sheets to sleep on or whatever. So I wake up and I have a moment of that feeling neutral. And then all of a sudden I like start to feel stressed about what I'm going to eat or getting on the computer and doing work and not being able to sequence things correctly. And I get, guess what? I start worrying about those things, not because I hate the things in my life, but because I have pain and the pain kicks in. So when you wake up and you don't, and you feel neutral and you are pain-free you can go about your day and just go through the motions and make the coffee and make the breakfast and go to work. And like, I don't know, I personally, I like crave that. And I, I, I guess I, I will ask, you know, you guys too, like, what is your moments? What are your moments like when you wake up in the morning physically and mentally?
0: Uh, well, I just like the fact that you said the word neutral because it <laughs> is complete bullshit that my neutral is like what I'm striving for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I've never put the word, that word to it, but I think that's a perfect way to describe it because like I don't ever wake up and like jump out of bed and like, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to take on this fucking day. Like I'm just going to go to work because that sounds super awesome right now. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah, and it does,
1: you know, like we can't separate ourselves as line people from anyone else. If you feel that way every day, you know what? Like I can't handle that anyway. (laughs)
0: exactly right
2: (laughs) I'm gonna dose you in your sleep
0: (laughs) but I know Haley she has her own view on that so you can chime in
2: well I mean I obviously don't battle the kind of things that you guys do like I'm not waking up in pain um but I definitely can relate to kind of what you were saying when it comes to working on new goals for my business and feeling like like striving for that, but also being okay, like not producing. And sometimes I think like, oh, it would just be so much easier if I didn't make this my goal or like mm. I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's, it's those thoughts. But then again, I just wake up every morning and it's like I know that I can work towards my goal. And it's like I might have those horrible thoughts one day, but the next day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to work on it. Because it yes. Is like yes. Well mix,
1: so mm-hmm. so much of that has come to light in COVID too. Like just and it's I don't know, Jess. You can speak to this. For me, it's almost it's not necessarily Lyme awareness, but it's relieving because like as for me as a human being, nothing makes me feel better than not being alone or not feeling alone, and to have mm-hmm. a little bit of recognition or to even be able to like pull out my toolbox of coping mechanisms and to help friends who are going through things who like it what you just described haley is like it's harder every day to do that doesn't matter how like how good you feel physically you know under covid conditions um and 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 that's different for many people of different cultures and backgrounds but yeah
0: (laughs) i gotta say i did feel a little bit guilty when covid hit because i was not as devastated as everybody else in the world about the quarantine um, I was finally like, holy shit, like, I don't have to keep explaining myself on why I'm living my days the way that I am. People just think it's oh because God. I'm in quarantine. It's un- it's, un- it's unbelievable. It's it, like it w- It felt so reassuring. And I finally felt like I had <laughs> this community with me, even though it was not my community, like <laughs> it was a total different community. But it kind of felt like everybody was kind of seeing me. You know what I mean?
1: Yep, it's it's yeah. And you know, for me I speak about that on a very surface level. I think that there's so much more with COVID that I um part of, you know, my work with Menji is I've become, you know, much more socially, globally aware and really dug into the things that I cared about that I just didn't make time to know about before, you know? So, you know, inclusive of the fact that COVID has obviously affected affected many effect, blah 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 affected people differently
2: mm-hmm. i
1: think just the soul like looking at it like okay just everybody having to be home there was like a 90% weight lifted off my communication social interaction all of that you know explaining things to people um it just yeah huge huge weight lifted You're, like i hope people are listening who can you know, like shit, like throw any little bits of shame or guilt about that out the window. Cause like, man, it's, it's okay to, (laughs) to feel that way. It's okay to be like, wow, I can be home. And I honestly, for me, I feel like less bad about living at home. Cause I'm like, I feel like the world's on pause a little bit.
0: Yeah, exactly. I feel like we're getting a little break from having to like explain chronic illness to everybody because everybody's like getting to see a little bit of it firsthand. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I do want to, I do want to talk about um, you working for Manji and like what all you're doing for them. This, I mean, you introduced me to this app um, and I use it all the freaking time now. And I'm so (laughs) thankful that you showed it to me. I've actually tried like so many different apps similar to this one too. And this is the only one that I've actually stuck with and that I use daily. So that's Um, the best
1: thing to hear.
0: Yeah. So just like, tell us exactly what you do for the company and kind of what the company is.
1: Sure. Um, so first of all, community is vitality. Like I would say my Manjeet community, our Manjeet community, uh, and the community i found through Gen Lime, Generation Lime over the past year, um, has just been like, that's my lifeline in, in vitality. So, um, Manjeet. (laughs) I work with Manjeet. Uh, We are an app. She is also a wonderful human being. She is a Sikh Punjab woman who grew up singing Kirtan in the temple. Um, And her name Manjeet actually means conqueror of the mind.
0: No way. Yeah,
2: How cool is that?
0: That's amazing.
2: It makes total sense to name the app after that. Yeah. It's
1: so, you know, I guess my personal story, um, is, so my best friend is a tech co-founder and developer, and he began personal mind coaching, which is what the Manjeet app is. Um, he began personal mind coaching with Manjeet in New York city. So Manjeet's also this like boss New York woman, you know, she worked with Chanel for years and all these major clients. Um, and my best friend, you know, his growth and experience and expansion was so meaningful. Um, That uh, again, I'm paraphrasing, but they decided to merge technology and her passion and ancient healing practices and build the app. Um, So, uh, again, maybe a a moment of um, I don't know what another word for fate is, but something that, Mm -hmm. you know, synergy, I guess, is the one I like to use. Um, So, he, you know, he took his talents and she has her talents, and they've created this unbelievable community. It's so funny because. I called Manjeet before this. Cause I, um, I was like, I want to describe you a little bit. How do I pronounce this? And she's like, Oh, you're doing a podcast. Who's for, I'm like, Oh, it's for healing jazz. She's, she's like, yeah, yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Love it.
1: I know. So they both know you and that's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, it's brought me community, but really as an app, um, you know, it's, Personal mind coaching is like it's an app on your phone. It's in your pocket. You know, it's not something you necessarily have to share with other people. But we are the first community in my research and experience that is um, sharing science-backed manifesting in which, it re- for me, it really clarifies what's happening in my physical body as I'm going through these techniques in these sessions. Um, our signature methodology is called Mind Work. And I've been doing social media for Manjeet and now I'm exploring a role as a leader in community because that's what this is really about is community. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'll I'll nerd out for like two seconds if you want to hear about the mind work. I'd love to. Yes, Um, definitely. All right. So in mind work, think manifesting, think science-backed manifesting. And when you do mind work, breath work is one of... The techniques that helps the body relax, visualization helps sort of guide your mind into this malleable state, and that's where hypnosis is, where this repatterning happens and neuroplasticity. So, with mind work, and again, Manjit is an app on your phone, you can create new habits and approach your decisions or even your outlook in the morning in a way that aligns with the life that you envision. Right, the thing, the things you desire. In the state of mind where you can change your responses to pain, to a stressful day. Um, and as those little habits build up, that's how you change your life in a bigger way, right? It's about creating those small habits and repatterning repatterning, and, you know, letting go and releasing anything that you don't need anymore, it doesn't fit. Or maybe it's truths that, you know, society has told you about yourself that just aren't true anymore, you know? Um We learn so much now about shaping our own identities or or not needing to identify and just being who we are. And the more we drop into who we are through things like mind work, for me anyway, the more that I can get back to like that person I was as a child, my inner sort of essence, and then apply that to my career direction, my relationships, who I want in my life. Um, So for me, I think the biggest impact of mind work has been on my Lyme journey, I had no more energy or resources to seek externally and really mind work is about looking internally. Um, So it just came at the exact right time when I didn't know how to look internally at all. And this has helped me do that. Um, And as I, you know, as I go through the sessions and experience what happens in my body, it's like finding the keys to your car. I have all the pieces, you know, whether I'm focusing on like my solar plexus chakra or, you know uh, just doing a restless sleep hypnosis to relax the whole body um i feel things start to work that have been asleep and for someone with chronic illness that's like a little miracle you know it's not a cure but um i'm like going to cry it's been very very impactful just to understand that the body has so much healing capacity so um yeah
0: <laughs> i know for i know for me personally like When I got sick, um, you know, I was only thinking about like the external ways to get better, you know, like what are the physical treatments I can get? Like who are the doctors that I can go see? And there was like a huge obviously moment where I became too broke to keep seeking all of that stuff because I I had put so much energy and so much money into all of this and I was at this standstill and I really had no option but to look for like the inner working stuff that I could do. And so it was almost like, I I mean, it was a huge blessing as much as it sucked to run out of money and be broke and I'm still broke from it. But like it did give me the blessing of literally having, like being forced to look at that inner work that I can do for myself to make myself better in those ways. And I don't think I would have learned that if I wouldn't have gotten sick, which is crazy to think about because it is something I focus on so hard now. And yeah, but I can say I use this app all the time. The sleep hypnosis ones. <laughs> I, I just I don't even understand them. They make no sense to me because I just literally <laughs> put them on and then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what just happened?
1: <laughs> no, it's 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 un- it's really it's really unbelievable. And um, I think that's where like the, I like get so, you know, excited about the science behind it um, and, and understanding what's happening in the brain and, and why, you know, you you put on that you know you look up into your eyebrows and you follow in voice or you do visualization and you have a physical shift right and mm-hmm. especially with the sleep ones you know you go to sleep <laughs> mm-hmm. and you um and you and you go into restorative deep healing sleep which is obviously the most important thing um but yeah you know this has certainly been this has been my lifeline this has been it, it it also you know mind work works in parallel with the other things you're doing to support you know your your well-being um it doesn't like jam anything else up you know i find a lot of my treatments for lyme it's like you got to stop one thing do the next yeah. um this has made me feel sort of like i don't know having you know knowing manjeet personally like i've also seen how like you can you know please like DM her on Instagram and like, she's there. Like we're there, the community's there. So part of it for me has been this like relaxation or relief or safety and knowing like, uh, you know, we have people reach out to us that do their first session for the first time and say like, wow, all these things came up. I cried. I had a physical reaction and it's because something physical is happening in your body. So she is there to guide you through. Um, and that's, you know, I haven't tried that many other apps, but I, I feel like that's something really special about um, about our our community. And we're gonna do so much more um, to have conversations in. I'm like in the rooms, in the houses of the clubs. <laughs>
0: that, right? Um, you don't even want to say it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can cut this part out.
1: Um, we're gonna you do so what? much more too to connect, like to connect people to Manji because she just. She just wants to help people and like I hear her conversations with people and it's like she explains so much better than I can, you know, what's happening in your body and like how you downregulate your nervous system. Oh, I wanted to talk about that. My biggest issue is that I clearly am like running on adrenaline and that's where mind work is like, let me just take you back down to where you're supposed to be instead of a Xanax.
0: Maggie, the fact that you said the adrenaline thing too, um, right before we started recording this, like m- right before I start recording, my adrenaline always spikes, right? And I get that super like <laughs> nervous that yep, I have to yep. poop feeling and like, <laughs> you know, I'm just like in this like weird adrenaline rush. And I actually literally pulled out my phone and like pulled up a grounding thing on the yep. app. And yep. I like just sat on the floor and I listened to a three-minute thing right before we did this.
2: Absolutely. So, and-, and
1: you know, you you, you drown, regulate your nervous system and you come back, you come back down to earth a little bit. I mm-hmm. do that all the time. Um, that's the other thing is like, I can open the app and do something for five minutes or 11 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's super quick. Um, you know, Manjita worked with individuals for years and years. Um, most like, you know, her life headquarters has been in New York city. Um, but people who are, you know, Young, old, like lawyers, people in many different industries, um, people who want to do a major career change or have had, you know, trauma, um, just like it's it's for everyone. Uh, Mm -hmm. it, It absolutely is.
0: And to everybody listening to this right now, we're definitely going to be putting a link in the show notes for this app so that you know, you, you can see what it's called and how to find it. So definitely look for that if you are interested in downloading it, as you should be. Everybody should download it if they listen to this episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Amazing. Um, the very last thing I kind of want to talk about with you before we dive into like a little funny, lighthearted segment before we end um, is you mentioned like community and I just want to mention to people listening because people don't really know like how you and I became connected. <laughs> um, and so I think that's something I'll definitely share with people cause they're probably like, how did they find each other? Right. And then mm-hmm. decide to record a podcast episode with each other. Yeah. Um, I was introduced to you on Instagram actually through Jake. Jake mm-hmm. mayers and he ta- was talking to you and connecting with you, and then he, I started connecting with him and having conversations with him, and he was like, "You need to meet Maggie. Like, you need to talk to Maggie." <laughs> so I started following you on Instagram, and then it, like it just grew from there. But then, like, um, I just think it's important to anybody out there who's listening to this who might be like newly diagnosed with Lyme disease. Um, Generation Lime has been like a huge community that I have taken part in, um, and you've joined into Generation Lime. So I just want to do a quick shout out to them. Um, Generation Lime just hosts like Zoom calls, Zoom weekly meetups a couple times a week where an- anybody battling tick borne illness can just hop onto a Zoom call and just connect with others from around the world who are dealing with it. Itself and um, yeah, I absolutely love seeing you on those calls, Maggie. I literally get so mad when you're not there, to be quite honest, <laughs> because I'm like, this meetup's not going to be as funny without you. <laughs> okay,
1: um,
0: so where are you at right now in life?
1: Yeah, um, so I am, um, where am I at right now in life? I am still here <laughs> <laughs> i am at home in western massachusetts um i had been in new york city for 10 years um which i will talk about every chance i get and hopefully you can go back there um i moved home i think a year and a half ago my health had sort of crashed um and i you know i needed to move home so luckily i could do that um Moved home, you know. Found a nurse practitioner um, in Western, uh, what? Not, in Eastern New York, right? Like I'm in Western Mass. She's an hour west of me in East New York. And this is making no sense. Can we start this over? Keep <laughs> no, going. You're fine. Um. Okay. Yeah. So I came home from New York City after 10 years, a decade. My whole 20s I spent in New York City, um, and my health was crashing and, uh, needed to come home and sort of like heal and treat a little bit. And I didn't, you know, go after Lyme. I did more things to boost my system. I was like, I don't know if I had reactivated EBV, but I I was like asleep. I like couldn't stay awake. So fatigued, so sore did ozone did Myers IVs, um, for like a month or two, lots of sauna baths, you know, less expensive things. I had been in New York city for 10 years and spent money on living in New York City and all my medical expenses. So I really just came home to restore. Um, I was home for almost a year and then I moved to Maine. I was in a relationship uh, with someone who lives there and moved up there to sort of see if that would work. And it was also kind of just time to leave home again. Um, And my health was well enough to do that. Um, Lo and behold, uh, my health crashed in a matter of like 6 7 months um and now I'm back home again so um i guess you know one of the biggest lessons i learned was my parents and i both said you know lo- logically or practically i feel like we've done all we can do like this is it like i got to move forward with my life um mm-hmm. so i literally did that i moved forward i got this apartment i was in a relationship i started a new life and moved to a new city and it just uh came crashing down which is not an uncommon story um so now I'm back home in that time I've adopted a cat and I've joined the manjeet community and for all the things that I could look at as loss I've gained you know you guys in the gen lime community I have to say like I don't my my self-worth despite all of that is so much higher because I finally feel like I'm like I don't know, li- like listening to myself more, doing the things that I know I need to do rather than fighting them. Like I know I need to stay home and save money. I know I need to, I know I need to treat Lyme and consider being a Lyme patient again, which has been a shocking realization over the past month or two. I started talking to new doctors and they're like, you need to treat tick-borne illness or your life is not ever going to change. Um, and that sucks to hear, but um yeah. So
0: tickborne <laughs> tickborne tick illness in general is such an up and down thing and um you know like it's hard to be financially stable enough to treat tick-borne illness with how expensive treatments are and stuff and so I think like I really wanted to ask you this question because it's important for people out there who are struggling with tick-borne illness to realize like it's not always you know hitting treatments head first like there's ups and downs you go through times where you know you're not treating and you're just resting and then you finally get to a place where you're like okay I can You know, go forward and try to treat again. And then you get to a place where your health crashes and you rest again. And then you get back to a place where you're like, okay, maybe I can move out on my own and do that. You know, like it's just so up and down. And I hear a lot of people out there with tick borne illness who, kind of fear the slowdown part of it. Um, They feel like they need to be go, go, go in treating this illness. And it's just not feasible or realistic for people to be go, go, go when treating this illness. So I just, um, I think it's important for people to hear that, you know, you will have ups and downs with this.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you said it, you're, you're so right. Um, it can be like constraints financially. It can be just you know listening to your body when you need a break. Um, I think that so one of the one of the biggest things that I'm working on now is that I number one I realized I haven't really treat I've only treated Lyme once and that was when I was diagnosed. I I was 21, which you know was centuries ago now. Um, but I did, um, I'm like, I'm 97. (laughs) I did, did, um, intramuscular shots of Bicillin LA, which is just penicillin. And that was my really only concrete lime treatment. I've done what a lot of people would call pseudoscience. Um, I've done a lot on my own to, you know, have a clean diet and, uh, remove debris from my colon and things that, you know, a lot of things Dave Asprey talks about in terms of longevity and health. Um, but I haven't really treated Lyme at, like, except that one time. So the thought mm-hmm. of going back into that now um, is daunting, but um, I guess, sorry, I guess my point being that, yes, things, things always, things are so unpredictable. And for the type A personality, I guess that's my point. Like, It's my biggest, biggest challenge is to stop trying to figure it out. And my heart breaks the most when I speak with someone or a younger person with chronic illness who is like, okay, well, I think I need the Great Plains Lab urine toxicity test and I need to do vibrant health, you know, mycotoxin and sensitivity, but do I need to do parasites? And like, what I've learned is that, you know, one, there are, there's so like, Number one, community helps you answer those questions. Number mm-hmm. two, community helps validate whether you have a doctor you should trust, um, mm-hmm. whether they're giving you good advice. So <laughs> number three is just join the community. But you know, um, <laughs> but that's but that's, that's really helped me. And, and but just even you know if you don't have a community yet, like like message me, like whatever you know, reach out to the people in your life and like when they tell you to slow down like just listen nothing's gonna get better unless you slow down and um i have spent a lot of time uh pathologizing saying like well maybe i I woke up this morning and i'm more sore because i did the sauna and i herxed or like but maybe i'm more sore because like i'm just more sore or I'm more mm-hmm. so sort because of I took a new med a week ago and something shifted. Like I cannot see inside my body with my own eyeballs or a microscope. <laughs> and so I no longer, I have to stop self-diagnosing. I have to stop pathologizing why things are the way they are. And for my type A personality or whatever, like one plus one never equals two. Already, one plus one equals two Monday and one plus one equals 17 on Tuesday. That is Lyme. It will never make sense to me, but I have to surrender and accept that every day is different and there's not always a reason. And it sounds like I have it all figured out, but tomorrow I fucking promise you I'm going to wake up and be like, okay, was it the trazodone? Like, should I top- stop taking my sleep meds? Like, why do I feel, you know, more apathy this morning? Or why am I happy? Like, should I be happy? So <laughs> I don't have it all figured out. Every day is different. And it's okay. And finding people to talk about it and doctors you trust and actually trusting them is a good way forward.
0: Yeah.
2: I
1: feel like I'm, I feel like so preachy.
2: (laughs) It's so interesting though, because I feel like it would be so challenging not to be hyper aware of how you feel in everything that you've done when you have been battling something like this for so long, because that's the only way that you've been able to get answers or to find treatment. So, now that you're so far into it, it's like stopping yourself from doing that, and I just think that that is so interesting.
1: That's such a good point, and I'll say, like, I'm like plugging Manji, but Mind Work has pulled me out of that, and I realized that something I've been doing—I thought I was making the mo- making the best of things, but really, I've been living in "fuck it, keep going," and not making the best of things. Surrendering and making the best of things is inviting this feeling of acceptance like you know what i can't go as fast as i want i only got one thing done today one thing like fuck that sucks but accepting that and like sometimes i need to do like some alternate nostril breathing to (laughs) accept that um that is making the that is that's keeping going not just pushing through on all this adrenaline and then feeling like you failed again so like i have to find things to help me break that cycle otherwise i just like, you know me, Jess, like I'm like, seem highly, 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 highly functional and I'm just driving myself into the ground. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of start wrapping up here just because we are almost at an hour and a half <laughs> um, <laughs> And then we could literally talk forever which is awesome but um, I just want to thank you like again for being here and being willing to do an episode Um, it's you know it's stressful to record a podcast episode and it's not easy on you know anybody with chronic illness to try to sit and talk for this long <laughs> so I just want to make sure that you know how much we appreciate you for showing up today um, before we let you go we Maggie and I actually came up with something really funny oh, to talk yeah. about at the end <laughs> of the episode. And as somebody with chronic illness, you get a lot of delicious foods taken away from you in life. And so we just wanted to share some <laughs> snacks <laughs> that we wish we could still like that we literally we would live off of them if we could. We are no longer allowed to have these things in our life. Don't get me wrong. I eat them every now and then. But like, <laughs> I would literally live off of these things if I could. So Maggie, you can go first if you want to name off something or a few that (laughs) you got of just some real shit foods out there that you would live off of if you could.
1: Let me preface this with I like wrote, I like planned out so much to talk about. And then like we started and I'm like, let me just wing it. We talk about the snacks and I'm like, oh, my God, where are my notes? (laughs) 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 So let me just ramble these off. All right. Number one. This is going to – I'm, like, such a disgrace, but pizza Lunchables, man, the double Dude, cheese.
2: I'm with you. I will yes. live off pizza
1: fucking Lunchables. Capri Sun. Give me that shit. Right? They come with Oreos sometimes, too. Oh, Jess, that's a problem for you. <laughs> <laughs> pizza Lunchables, double cheese, no pepperoni. I like the Nestle Crunch Bar, but it's always stale. So mm, like, That's true.
0: It is always know. stale.
1: Um. Okay. Uh, your turn.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so I have top ramen. That sounds so Ooh. boring and so plain, but I literally – I am so sick of gluten-free noodles
2: because <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I just wish I could just fucking make some goddamn top ramen just for lunch every fucking day and crack an egg in it. I used to Ooh. crack an egg in my top ramen and – I can't have eggs anymore. That is literally the perfect meal. It's not because it's terrible for you. Don't eat it. I am in no way promoting Top Ramen. But I would eat it if I could.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I miss the noodles too. I would have shaped, Mac, and Cheese. I, mm. I, that comes in with, let's like a, I don't know if that's above Pizza Lunchables, but Shapes, Mac, and Cheese, Superman. When SpongeBob came out, he was cool, but he fell apart. So <laughs> <laughs> Superman held together
2: for obvious reasons. It's, it's true but you get less in the box that's than actually, the elbows that's like really ironic that spongebob would have fallen apart i remember <laughs> i literally
0: remember <laughs> making the spongebob one and it literally falls apart i remember
1: there were no patrick's <laughs> and he wasn't as good as the superman like oh <laughs> i'm like completely serious i've talked this out with my mom oh,
0: okay <laughs> i have i have another one um it's kind of Similar to the pizza lunch bowls, but I have bagel bites. Oh
1: yes, yeah. yeah, sorry, can't believe I forgot bagel bites. Yeah, Burnt. yeah.
0: I mean, Delicious. you burn the shit out of your mouth every yeah. time you eat them, but it's worth it.
1: Um, <laughs> I love the box yellow cake with chocolate frosting. Um,
0: wow, okay, that's specific.
1: I know. I grew up eating like Korean barbecue. My mom, I'm. I don't know if I said this. I'm adopted. My parents are white Irish Catholics from outside Boston. Um, and they made sure that every year I had a Korean. My birthday, we'd make Korean bulgogi every year. Oh so my that's gosh. my. Uh, that would be my number one real food to live off of.
0: I am obsessed with Korean barbecue. If I ever make it to the East Coast and get to actually hang out with you, that's we're going to make Korean you, barbecue.
1: Yes, I will make it for you. Yes, in the walk with a pair of salsa with whatever you want. It's going to be great. Um. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, Gushers, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Fruit by the Foot, and McDonald's in Connecticut in 2005, the number two was two uh, two cheeseburgers and coconut large fry. And so I, would, I would eat that shit until, you know.
0: <laughs> their fries. McDonald's fries, I have to say, were always my favorite.
2: Yeah. They're, they're the best fast food French fries. Oh, and That's they had that sure. snack
0: wrap too that's oh chicken in the middle noodles. oh that was good
1: you're um, right. I also
0: I also have taquitos did you ever eat taquitos I did
1: not but I know oh. they
0: are. yeah those and toaster strudels are my other one
1: mm. I had those mini those like um either blueberry or I'm like no one's gonna want to listen to this but I loved mini <laughs> muffins all
2: right I know exactly know? what
1: you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can still buy them at, like, the grocery store or whatever.
2: Yep.
0: I literally, every time I go to the grocery store, I walk down the frozen food aisle just to, like, stare at all the food Ooh. I can no longer eat. My boyfriend's always like, Jessica, come on. Like, let's get going. And I'm like, okay, no, I just he- want to, like, stand here for a couple more minutes and just can stare at the big bite box. <laughs> no. So he can't eat gluten. So um, he can't eat all of that shit either because that all has gluten in it. Yeah. But he's just – I like to just dream about it a little bit more than he does.
1: <laughs> I feel lucky being home because my mom does keto actually, and my oh, nice. my poor father's like if I eat another fucking cauliflower. I get, we have cauliflower, <laughs> <laughs> cauliflower mash, cauliflower ham casserole, cauliflower, but it's honestly it's amazing, and I'm I'm happy they're being healthy, and then I get to eat that stuff too. Um, oh
0: man, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Got any more on your list or was that everything? That was my entire list.
2: No, I will
1: say my like my healthy, my my adult with adult human with Lyme disease indulgence is like the organic non-dairy ice creams and like all the oh, vegan, yeah. vegan baking. I made cassava pancakes before this and they were amazing. So there's there's yeah. Oh, I don't know where we can cut this in, but I'm passionate about the whole fasting thing. And if you're going to fast, go from, I recommend going from solids, then cut out meat and just eat veggies, then go to blended foods and soups, then maybe go to juice if you can handle raw, and then go to other light liquids and then fast, like back your way into it and vice versa. This has nothing to do with pizza Lunchables, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can cut that back into um somewhere. Because I actually meant to bring that up when we were talking about Dave Asprey too because he talks about fasting. So
1: Awesome. Yeah. Also because, you know, I don't – like some people are going from pizza lunchables to fasting. There's so much out there with, you know, wellness trends and health trends and there is a better way to do it so you're not shocking your body even if you don't have chronic illness. Um, anyway. I'll shut up now.
0: (laughs) Okay. So before we let you go, I want you to let people know where they can find and follow you on social media. You kind of said at the beginning, but you can repeat your uh, Instagram handle if you'd like.
1: Oh, yes. I was joking at the beginning, but I am at (laughs) underscore Maggie wall underscore M A G G I E W A L L. So at underscore Maggie wall underscore. Would that I could change that handle. (laughs) We'll tag Um, it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll
0: tag you. Don't worry.
1: Yeah. And um, you can find – you can also find me at Manjeet Meditation and you can find Manjeet there because she's always available if you want to like ask questions about all the stuff I talked about.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Maggie. I obviously love talking to you and I'll probably talk to you in like two hours after we get off of this, but <laughs> 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 thank, you for, thank you for being here today. Appreciate it. Thank, yeah,
2: you, thank um, you so much just for sharing your story so openly and just talking about such a wide variety of topics. I think that this is going to be so great. Thank you so
1: much. I'm like so excited I got to do this. Would love to do it again. And, and let me know how I can support you in you know, on social or otherwise. So thank you, guys.
0: Sounds good. All Can't right. Wait.